Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome back to God's Planning. My name is Father Patrick Briscoe, and I'm joined today by Father Gregory Pine. You've heard of Father Gregory. He is my friend, which is nice, I think. Well, I shouldn't speak for him. Thank you. Are you my friend, Father Gregory? I would say so. And yep. See, there you heard it. It's public now. <laughs> <laughs> we can hold him to that later. We can make him acknowledge me. Yeah, I don't have Facebook, so the opportunities that I have for publicly acknowledging our friendship are fewer than as is ordinary in this present evil age, but I will do that. Yeah, I will thank affirm you. that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, see, I'm. I, thank you for your affirmation. You know? <laughs> I'm feeling better already. <laughs> Today, uh, our episode, this episode of our Back to Basics Lenten series is on friendship. Now, friendship might not seem like the most immediate or relevant topic in a Lenten series. So, Father Gregory, why, why did we choose to talk about friendship today? Uh, that, my friend, is an excellent question. So, when folks will ask, like, how do I live well or how do I love the Lord? I think there are certain things to which we can point as, um, let's see, conducing to a healthy relationship or as, you know, like perfecting the, the individual or as cultivating holiness, however you want to put it. And those things are the things that we focused on or have continued to focus on over the course of the past couple of weeks and will continue to focus on for the next couple of weeks. So that'd be like prayer, the sacraments, so fruitful reception of Holy Communion, good use of the sacrament of confession. Also, um, fasting that was a good time. Fasting was a good time. Yeah, that was that was that was a delight. Um, you know, friendship, a habit of study. These would be the kind of things where, in in Matthew Kelly's terms, these would be signs of a dynamic Catholic. But I think in more basic terms, these would just be the types of helps that we need to employ for growing in the spiritual life and for growing closer to God. And and at least initially, some of those things sound super intuitive. Uh, you don't need to be told why prayer uh, is helpful for growing in holiness. You don't need to be told why sacraments are helpful for growing in holiness because they're just the very substance thereof. Um, but I think that a helpful way to focus the question is to think about what is a good life um, and how right. do we begin to enjoy right. a good life now. And there are certain things that just require no further justification because they're the types of things in which a good life consists. And so I would say prayer and sacraments are part of that story. And friendship as well. Because when you have a friend, you don't ask to what end. I mean, some friendships, that might be the case if it's like the friendship that you have with your cashier or if it's the friendship that you have with your croquet partner. <clears throat> but, um, but For all of you professional croquet players out there. Exactly. It could just be like, you know, particularly some, some, some hipster listeners in Brooklyn or something like that. <laughs> um, but as concerns, you know, noble friendships or virtuous friendships, the friendships that for us represent, um, yeah, the very substance of of happiness, they don't require a further justification because they just are the types of things in which the good life consists. So I think that, um, yeah, when we, when we examine the question of what it means to go back to the basics, I think it's helpful to, uh, to look at friendship and to be mindful of the way in which our, our destiny hinges upon having good friends, friends who love us, friends who um, kind of conduct us to the good, and friends who, who yeah, well, basically love us unto the Lord. So, yeah, for me, it's just a, it's a basic thing, and as a result of which, when we go back to basic, it's the type of thing to which one would go back. Um, but, I mean, you could take the conversation in any number of directions. I don't know what, for you, is uh, your, your kind of insights into the connection between friendship and the good life, or between friendship and a healthy spiritual life. Right. I really like this idea, though, that um, during Lent, what we're thinking of 
when we're thinking of back to basics is we're thinking of the, the kinds of things that we focus on that make us um, who the Lord really wants us to be. So all of these things uh, matter to human beings because of the kind of thing we are. We're a thing with an intellect, with a will, uh, made in the image and likeness of God, made made for certain things. And I think that's why friendship is so important, because in God's plan, in his design and origins of the universe, um, as Genesis puts it, man was not made to be alone. We were We were made to be in communion with other people, and we were made to be in communion with God. And so friendship is just another word for expressing that kind of desire for communion, the kind of fulfillment that comes when we look beyond ourselves, um, the kind of happiness and joy that are the effects of um, this, the ultimate satisfaction, the deepest longings of our hearts finding their um, original source and end. Uh, and I think that's what, that's what it means to say that we're seeking friendship in the Christian life. Um, we're, looking, we're looking at, again, what we were made for, how we were made, and the kinds of things that, that fulfill us in the deepest possible senses. That's what it means to ask the question about the good life, right? Um, what, what, are the, what are the things that um, make the most sense of who I am because I am a human person? I think here, too, like, it's helpful when, when considering how best to go about one's life, you have to be mindful of the goal. So we're spending time here together in Providence, Rhode Island, and if we don't know whether we're going to Boston or if we're going to New Haven, Connecticut, then we can't even make the first turn because... You know, if I'm going to 95 North, I go one direction. If I'm going to 95 South, I go another direction. And so if we don't have a sense of the end, then the way that we go about conducting ourselves, hence, will be muddled. It'll be confused. It'll be silly. Right. So when we talk about friendship, I think it's helpful to talk about friendship in terms of the end of our lives, which is friendship. Um, now, mind you, we need to be clear on what we mean by saying that, but our lives are ordered to the loving vision of God in heaven. And the way that that loving vision of God in heaven is described is, you know, like the images used are one of, you know, like kingdom or like kind of like bridal or worship based or, you know, you can think of all the different ways that we hear it in the book of Revelation or from the Lord's own mouth in the Gospels. Um, but what we're hoping for is a kind of Trinitarian communion. We're hoping for a communion of persons into which we ourselves are invited and initiated, um, a reality in which we kind of like swim. You know, St. John Damascene talks about God as an infinite ocean of substance. Um, and so that's something that we hope to enjoy in the context of a friendship. And when the Lord gives us entry to it, he says, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends, for I have told you everything that I have heard from my Father. When St. Thomas reads that passage in his commentary on the Gospel of John, he does this cool little thing where he hearkens back to Aristotle's uh, Nicomachean Ethics, and he talks about how it's, it's true of friends that they share secrets. And mm-hmm. what, what, what's, <laughs> there you go. What the Lord is. You, you have my attention. I'm yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah. Secrets. So, so the Lord is sharing us the most intimate secrets of the divine life. And at the heart of the divine life is a communion of persons, and that's something uh, that for us represents the very term of all our aspirations, of all of our striving. And so if that's the goal, if the goal is communion of persons, if the goal is friendship with God, then it makes eminent sense that he would conduct us there by friendship, right? Because God, God works in a kind of incarnate sacramental order, and it's not like, okay, the goal is friendship, so the way that you're going to get there is by denying yourself friendship. That's crazy and creepy. <laughs> okay, if the goal is friendship, mm-hmm. then you are going to be conducted mm-hmm. unto those hallowed halls of heaven through friendship. And God right. is going to love us through friendship. 
So oftentimes when we're thinking like, oh my gosh, I need to love God, but I also have these friends and maybe they're a distraction from God or maybe they're taking me away from God. Okay, there are many things that we can consider in that, but ultimately we want to see friendships as a chosen means, as a chosen instrument, as a kind of sacrament and like a lowercase s with, you know, scare quote sense of God's friendship, right? Right. Um, one of the, one of the incredible things that I've noticed throughout my life is that I become like my friends, right? Mm. Dig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pick up you you pick up you pick up the way your friends talk. Um, the friendship begins out of common interest, right? You have to you have to find something that you that you like apart from yourself. You know, so for example, if your friend is a Dominican, he probably likes long arcane theological sermons, mm. and the two of you can de- can delight in that in the in the the finest and most obscure parts of medieval theology and that could that can be a source for a genuine friendship right taking joy in an object outside of yourself and pursuing it together Um, so just on on a on a basic level um common interest and then common affectation the way of life um uh, the, those are those are elements of friendship that are so important right um in, in the in the most in the most rudimentary ideas we have about the nature of friendship so then when we're talking about the spiritual life um to be to be friends with god to desire to be friends with god means to uh, become like him to be interested in something um in the case of god it's god by the way mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what are you and god interested in you're both interested in god but um, but but to be to be interested in something and and to be drawn to be drawn into that interest um together that's that's another way of describing the kind of conformity with Christ that we that we call holiness in Christian life. I think too, like here, it's helpful to hearken back to Aristotle and Saint Thomas's reception of Aristotle. I like what you said about you know sharing a common life and common interests and a common affect. Um, the way that they kind of break it down is that there are three parts of friendship or three distinct elements present in every friendship, namely that you will the other's good, right? So benevolence, and that it be mutual so that that goodwill be returned, mm. and that there be some, what St. Thomas calls communicatio, that there be some shared life, um, what Aristotle calls koinonia. Uh, I mean, we would just as easily say communion. So you can have goodwill towards somebody, uh, but if it's not reciprocated, that's not a friendship. And you can have goodwill towards somebody, and that, that goodwill can be reciprocated, but if you don't have a common life, then it doesn't constitute real friendship. So Aristotle is very suspicious that you can have a friendship if you live at a distance, right? So for him, friendship is something that happens within the city walls. It's something that happens among your intimates. And that doesn't mean to say that it's something that's like chosen directly by the individuals and it has to be intimate and effective. It could be for him a kind of civic friendship. So there are these different associations and as you find yourself thrown in with other people on account of the fact that you're born here and speak this language and join this guild, then you're gonna have a kind of friendship with them. But what is essential is that it be willing the good of the other, that it be reciprocated, and that you have a common life. And I think this opens up for us this understanding of what it means to have friendship with God. Because mm-hmm. what is it that you will the other? What good do you will the other? Well, you could think about it as willing discreet goods. Like, I will that you enjoy good coffee. I will that you enjoy good student evaluations at the end of the semester. I will that you have, you know, good you know, like good homilies. Uh, mm, I desire Price all these things. You see how right? well my friend knows me? <laughs> exactly. But more than that. You forgot cigars. All right, yeah, here, yeah. cheers. More than that, I will that we have a common life. Part of my willing our friendship is willing our common life. To will that we go unto God together, you know, without speaking about it too terribly poetically because, you know, we got to be sober on our estimation. 
Um, but what we're talking about when we talk about friendship with God is is the divine life. Mm-hmm. We're willing that we share the divine life, and God imparts that to us in such a way that we can become like gods, right? You become mm-hmm. like your friends. Like you said, I'm just a pastiche of the different things said by other people. So I say dig because <laughs> Brother Justin Bolger says dig. Um, and I, whatever. I say uh, I'm for you, bro, because I'm Father Timothy you. Danaher I'm says I'm for you, bro. <laughs> so, um, so we hope to have that kind of communion. We hope to have that kind of intimacy with the Lord such that the very, the very movement of our own interior life assumes the shape of the movement of God's interior life life, that we can know him with his own knowledge, that we can love him with his own love, and that becomes for us our very life breath and life blood. So, yeah, so that, I mean, that's a kind of high-flying, I suppose, theological exposition, and perhaps you're thinking, like, what is this, what does this have to do with my life in a concrete way? And so we can, I mean, we can try. (laughs) (laughs) With much success, we'll have great success. Yeah, exactly. Um, At least if, yeah, according to our own view. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose we can, we can try to translate those insights. But it's good. I mean, it's good just to have that basis, that what we're willing is a common life with the Lord, and that life makes us like him. So given the goal, friendship with God for eternity in heaven, it makes sense that he would appoint those means that he does, namely friendship with other people, right, uh, to, to conduct us to our heavenly home. This is the Lenten journey. You know, don't don't break up with your friends for Lent. <laughs> I'll see you in 40 days on the other side, bro. You know, uh, that's that's not what Lent is about. Lent Lent is about going back to um, those rich fonts, those sources of life, those sources of life, those those things which animate um, animate all of our Christian desires that that um, give our hearts what we need um, to be more perfectly shaped after Christ's own perfect sacred heart. So uh, that's why we're talking about friendship today on this Lenten edition of God's Planning. Um, we're going to pause for a short break and be right back with you. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. Welcome back to God's Planning. I'm Father Patrick Briscoe. I'm joined here by my friend. <laughs> Look at him smile. <laughs> Look at his joy to be in my presence. My friend, Father Gregory Maria Pine of the Order, also of the Order of Preachers. There it is. Members of the same religious institute. <laughs> it's just an extraordinary thing that. <laughs> We're talking about friendship uh, on our on our episode um, today. The first part of the episode, we've been talking about um, kind of the fundaments of friendship, what it is, what it does. Uh, turns out friendship is for God, to be <laughs> to be likened unto him, to share it with him. And to share God with other people. So we, what we want to talk a little bit about on um, this later part of the episode is what friendship really does for us in our life. So Father Gregory, you have, you have this idea that friendship just means, part of what friendship means is that it means showing up, being there with someone. So this is something that I like to repeat. And uh, I think I got this from uh, an elderly, well, a now deceased Dominican friar, Father Chris Johnson. Oh man, the years are going by. They are going by. He's a gem, yeah. and and every, he was really every good Dominican is dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good to be a dead Dominican, though, on account of the fact that we pray for him. All but the time. Uh, but he he said that there are t- there are two lessons he said that he wanted to impart, and he said show up and be kind. Mm. And there's a great wisdom in the fact, or. There's a great wisdom in his commendation of showing up, uh, because I think we can't say enough for showing up. And what do I mean by this? Well, I think your friends are the ones who show up. And 
you say for, say for instance you have a kind of traumatic experience maybe somebody in your family passes away or maybe there's some kind of medical incident or moral catastrophe or, or something that's really bad and you get an initial outpouring of support from your community and from your friends and then typically after after a couple days uh, many people are would be embarrassed to come again or they kind of forget you or at the very least they get used to the fact that you've suffered this calamity and um, it becomes just part of the furniture mm-hmm. of their life right. rather than something that continues to cry out. Right. And I think it's at that time where you, you'll, you'll see who your best friends are. And that's not to say it's a test, right? And you're just kind of like waiting in the wings mm-hmm. and thinking like, evaluate. yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you good to me or not? Um, but your friends are the ones who keep coming. Right. Your friends are the ones who just keep coming, and they're willing to broach difficult subjects with you because they know that you want to talk about them, but that you're embarrassed to bring it up because you feel like, ah, oh, yikes, you know, like if I keep talking about this thing, then I'm just like one big open wound of crying for help, and people will start to think my presence oppressive, yada, yada. So your friends are the ones who continue to ask the questions. They continue to, you know, offer invitations for doing fun things out here and there so that way you can get your mind off it, or they're the ones who make just generous offers to go with you here or or to accompany you there or whatever, but they just keep showing up. Mm. And that's just on its, I mean, on the one hand, it's testimony to their love, but on the other hand, it's the very medium of their love. Mm. Because you can't always make explicit uh, protestations of affection, like our love will last to the stars grow cold. <laughs> um, but you show your love by mm. this mutuality, by this, by reciprocating the affection and by investing in the common life. Right. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. In religious life, we have kind of a basic model for this um, because the structure of our life necessitates it, right? Go to the prayers, go to the common things, go to dinner. In Navishit, we had regular recreations, which we lovingly referred to as force fun. <laughs> um, and the, these were these are moments where that that, de- that demand of showing up um, forms something within us. Um, and so I so I think there's a certain there's a certain degree of um, exemplarism going on there right where the where the structure of religious life speaks to something about the nature of friendship and, and gives the tools um, to to imitate it and whatever the shape of your life is i mean one of the ways that you can just show up for people is daring to comment on that annoying text thread right like you all have one on your phones and you've got these friends that that are always sharing things and uh, and so on and so forth but one ex- one easy expression of friendship one simple way of showing up is to like whatever thing they've shared, to read it, to comment on it, to engage them, right? Um, and so I think I think if we, when, we, when we start examining our lives, we can come up with many ideas of what it looks like to show up for somebody. Um, another thing, another aspect, another really important and often overlooked aspect of friendship is discernment. Our friends have a role in relaying to us what God wants for our lives, right? So can you speak to that a little bit, Father Gregory? Sure, yeah. I think sometimes we think about discernment in an isolated way as if it were just a conversation between God and ourselves and that we have to agonize over it, we have to feel acute anguish over the decision, and it will only be a good decision to the effect that it's mine, that I make it for myself. Um, and that I feel some kind of moral certitude that it is, in fact, God's will for my life. Mm-hmm. At some point, God zaps you. Exactly. And then you can declare it, Yeah, there having has to, received this new revelation. Like there has to be some sensational experience, or, or there has to be some clear infusion of undeniably certain knowledge, you know, so, you know, like something along those lines. 
But what we often come to discover is that we are self-deceived and that when we interpret our experience, we do so poorly, which, which shouldn't scandalize us, you know? <laughs> like, you know yourself pretty well, but you're also trying to protect yourself from criticism. You're also trying to protect yourself from the recognition that you're actually not that good. You know, like, mm. there are a lot of things interiorly that keep us from acknowledging the truth of our lives. Right. And when we live closely with friends, they have keen insights into who we are, which is why, you know, it's natural to go for, you know, kind of solicit their advice in crisis situations, but it, it should also be true in discernment because this is one of the most significant choices that we make in our lives. And it's something that matures and grows over the course of weeks and months and years. And our friends can often see it better than we. Mm. And so, you know, maybe your friends aren't vocation whisperers, but they do have insight into what you love and they can help you sort your loves. And they can tell you like, yeah, this is, this is a genuine thing that needs to be cultivated or this is a kind of selfish thing that needs to be purified. And maybe that's kind of stark to put it in those terms, but, um, but yeah, we're looking for that and we want that. And when they communicate it lovingly, we're able to receive it. Um, so yeah, I, I have uh, a friend with whom I'll chat and I'll say things that are kind of self-deprecatory and make light of what the Lord is doing in my life. And this particular person will say like, stop it, you know, <laughs> you're being dumb and you're being dense. And by narrating your life in the way that you're presently narrating it, you're actually closing yourself off to the truth of your life. So stop it. <laughs> Thank God for this person. Indeed you do. <clears throat> yeah, so I know like, I mean, you have a lot of interaction with college students and you're kind of doing this type of work and as much as they're asking you like, okay, like what class do I register for? Or should I, you know, volunteer for this mission trip? Or, you know, like what's what's right, your experience right, of that? Right, well, I think I think you hit, you hit the key part, right? Um, that, mo- that many people overlook when they're thinking of discernment in a general way, and in a, in and in the sense of um, what is my, what is my proper vocation, um, in both senses, the Lord directs us by what we are actually attracted to. Um, Jesus is not a sadist; uh, he, he wants you to be happy, and 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 the the key is finding okay how how is all of, how are all my talents going to be best employed to the service of, of His kingdom, right? Um, and f- friends allow friends allow us to to see that do you do you really like this thing and a friend can echo that or not um friends can as you were saying point out kind of blind spots and self-deceptions to us but i think also i think also that friends um friends can motivate us can prompt us to pursue something even if we have and especially when we have hesitations about it right there's a a grand sense in which friendship um, allows people to overcome obstacles and and to undertake something joyously so one thing that i've witnessed here at providence college over the last few years is this group of young people who have been real friends entering religious life together Hmm. you know these young men have come to the province these young women have become nashville dominican sisters uh this is extraordinary i can't think of anything better to do with your life than than to be to be friends with someone and to declare that i'm going i'm going to live this friendship um for christ in this particular way I, it makes me think of, there's a passage in The Man Who Was Thursday, the G.K. Chesterton novel. Oh my goodness, thank the Lord. We have a Chesterton quote. <laughs> there you go. I was worried that we were going to get through with that one. <laughs> so the protagonist, Gabriel Syme, uh, he infiltrates the hierarchical council of Europe, and there are seven men on this council. You see this is a bit farcical, but it's Chesterton's sort of deal. Um, and he is uh, actually an undercover police detective, and so he thinks he's the only good guy in a circle of bad guys. But at a certain point, he comes to realize that another one of these individuals is also himself a police detective. And he says something there along these lines. 
He says, throughout the whole ordeal, his root fear had been isolation. Um, and he, he like goes on to describe the, the relief that Gabriel Syme experiences when discovering that this guy is a police detective. And he goes and says, uh, I concede to the mathematicians that four is twice two, but two is not twice one. Two is 2,000 times one. So there's a sense too where like this is a great line. not only do yeah. friends help us discern the meaning of our lives, but they give us the courage to pursue it, right. right? Because if we were to do it by ourselves, the thought would be saddening, oppressive, exceedingly difficult. But when done with our friends, it's not like we're we're twice as courageous or twice as happy. It's we're like a thousand times as courageous and happy because formerly we were alone and now we're in company or now we're with with our friends. So. Yeah, there's something to be said for that, for sure. I think another example of this is babies crying in church, which just on the record, you know, I'm, of course, a thousand times in favor of let them scream. Um, but when there's one baby crying, you're sort of like, wow, oh, some, you know, somebody has a kid here. When there's like three babies crying, what do you even notice? There's just, <laughs> this, you know, there's just sort of this clamor for God, and it's beautiful. Um, uh, and the, there's, a, there's a sense in which... Um, one family does not a parish animate, but two or three families, you've then then you've got something going. Then you've yeah. got then you've got momentum and, and joy. Um, and I, and I think that's because of the nature of friendship. One of the things that friends can do, as we've been saying, is that good friends can um, disillusion us of mm-hmm. our false understandings. Um, so, Father Gregory. Um, Maybe you want to give some examples of excellent times that I have improved your life by <laughs> by correcting you. <laughs> no, but um, allowing allowing our friends to speak to that right to um, to 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 discipline us um, is a is a real part of friendship. Yeah, and I think sometimes people balk at the the language of rebuke or correction, or you know, we in religious life we often call it fraternal correction. Like it sounds condescending almost as if like you've got the things and you're telling somebody else how to get the things mm. but um and severe yeah 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 kind of severe overly formal perhaps mm-hmm. uh, too direct but i think that um in the tradition in religious life and as it was explained to us explained to us by our novice master fraternal correction is an outgrowth of charity so you see the person doing the thing which is destructive or which makes them sad and then you say hey this is a thing that is destructive and makes you sad and i'm i'm happy to help you you know, become less self-destructive and less sad. Um, but you need to know the thing because it looks like you don't acknowledge the thing. And then you, as the recipient thereof, say, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, initially you're like, why did you think of my kid? This believe- guy. <laughs> yeah, but then you come to realize that, yeah, he's probably right, and I'm grateful that he did. If you have the presence of mind to say thank you at the time, that's courageous. Um, but, but you usually work around to it. But um, our novice master explained to us, like, three criteria for giving a fraternal correction. One, does this thing matter? Mm. You know, because sometimes maybe a guy's got this uh, annoying, like, tick, but it's something over which he has no control. For example, <laughs> clearing his throat in the chapel. <laughs> Just hypothetically speaking, yeah, the hypothetically kind of thing that speaking. comes up in religious life. For instance, <laughs> right? So, so does this thing matter? So sh- should he change or basically should I just deal with it? Uh, and then the next question would be, can he change? Right? Is there actually a legitimate hope that he can change? And if you catch somebody, you know, before the 30 years old, there's a decent chance. After 30 years old, there's a less decent chance. I mean, by the grace of God, <laughs> things are possible which you wouldn't even dream of being possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, drunkards can become sober, addicts can become clean. I mean, the blind can see, the lame can walk, and the poor have good news preached to them. So, so mm, we have we have Lord. hope. We have hope Lord. that things can change. But we also have to be modest in our expectations Lord. of what we what we encourage other people to pursue. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is, do I love him? 
Do right. I love him? Like, right. am I just doing this because I'm a prideful snot? Or am I doing this because I genuinely desire his growth in the Lord, you know, and in the spiritual life? And if the answer to those questions is yes, then we can we can go about it. If not, then we might need to ask the Lord for the grace to do it better or ask the Lord for uh, the grace to recognize an opportunity because now might not be propitious. Um, but yeah, that's just that gives us a good groundwork for thinking of how we approach the situation and how we might address it with a friend. When you're looking at a painting, um, the angle at which you're viewing it matters. And I think what Fraternal Correction offers is the ability to move around in the museum, right, to experience uh, the work of art of your own life differently. Um, and because friends allow us actually avenues of change that we ourselves might not be um, perceiving immediately, the avenues of change that we ourselves might resist, um, because our friends offer us this, um, our friends can be ways of revealing how it is that God loves us. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that, about how so- sometimes the love of God isn't immediately perceptible to us as a kind of just me and God thing. Sometimes God allows us to um, experience new depths, new dimensions, new horizons of his infinite love um, through other people he has created. I think, yeah, I've been thinking about this recently, and we often draw a distinction between the way that God loves and the way that we love. So when we love something, we just kind of like are toddling down the street, and we come to discover that, uh, oh, wow, look at this thing over here. That's lovable, and then we love it. But the thing goes before us. The thing precedes us. Whereas with God, there's n- there's nothing before God loved it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so in his eternity, in his um, perfect enjoyment of abundant life, God didn't need for anything, right? So he's not going out to things in some kind of reactive way. Right. This is a really important point. Before God created the world, what was God doing? He was knowing and loving himself mm-hmm. infinitely. Yeah. Right? And so like not like not in like an egotistical way, but this is just the nature of God. So our being here, right? Our very being is the fruit of God's love. It's not like God sees like, oh wow, check it out, Father Patrick, how very lovable. Rather, God's knowing of you and loving of you goes before you. Right, So God doesn't love us because we're good, but God loves us because he's good. And I think that in our friendships, we get a little insight into how God loves us. Because oftentimes, you know, our friends might be attracted to us or we to them by virtue of some quality. Like this person is a good conversationalist, or this person is physically attractive, or this person is talented in X, Y, or Z ways. But at a certain point, we lose the capacity to explain precisely why we came to discern mm. that this person was lovable right. and we just kind of get so more so we get more so consumed with the fact of their being beloved you know it's just as it's as if to say like yeah i i have an insight into how god loves you and that's not because i'm good or because i'm like i'm channeling god's love in an especially heroic way it's just because i see you as beloved right. i just see you as lovable and i want to share a common life and i want to go forward together i think that's part of what people mean when they say um we have history together mm. Uh, there's this great uh, TV series that went around to several of our communities for a while called Justified, right? And it's about um, it's about this U.S. Marshal, and the main antagonist is this uh, is this supervillain um, named Boyd. And Boyd and the U.S. Marshal have this interesting relationship because they dug coal together. <laughs> They're in the coal mines of West Virginia, Kentucky, wherever Justified takes place. I can't remember. Anyway, it's in the hills somewhere. But they dug coal together. And there's something, there's something about um, 
the nexus of of the events of a relationship that that make it more than just the sum of its parts or the sum of moments, right? And I and I think that's part of what that's part of what you're getting at here. Um, when we, when we see that there are, there are things which become almost expressionless, um, in the sense that they're they're undefinable and even mysterious to ourselves, but we just have we just have a history with people, um, and in that way they reveal God's love to us. So this is God explaining on friendship. Um, we should do probably like 10 more episodes on friendship. <laughs> we talk about friendship for a long time. It's a beautiful theme, um, but it will suffice for now for Lent. If you like what you're hearing, I mean, even if you don't, that could, <laughs> it could be your Lenten sacrifice. You could you could put yourself out there and you know recommend us to someone that you don't like. <laughs> you could say, I'm going to get you. You'll listen to these guys. Um, if you like what you're hearing... Um, and you have felt that God's planning has helped you in your spiritual life, um, please share the podcast. Please share that with us. Um, tell us your stories. It's beautiful to uh, name and um, to spread the work, the good work that the Lord is doing in our lives. Um, so thank you for sharing God's planning. Thank you for listening to us. Pray for us. We'll pray for you. Thanks for listening to God's planning a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.